If you're a fan of the young guys just getting minutes because they're the future, this might not be the season for you. It's Locked On Jazz coming up next. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice for the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider, Locked On Jazz today. Will Hardy, Justin Zanuck, take the podium Friday, share their thoughts on the team, and the number one takeaway is the young guys are going to have to earn it more than anything else. John Collins, his role seemed to be fairly clear. How Will Hardy looks at the guard line and Will Hardy year two are the topics today on Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. We are free and available on all podcasting apps as well as on YouTube. Please subscribe. Five-star reviews are greatly appreciated. Comments in the comment section are totally awesome. Our comment today, our question today for YouTube is, what playing pair would you start with? Today's show, as always, free and available on all platforms. We thank you for being an everydayer. All you out there listen each and every day, and thank you for making Locked On Jazz your first listen. So my number one takeaway from Friday, a mix the Hunger Games and everything, all the other comments and some stuff I love to hear from Will Hardy um, that I'll get to in a minute, uh, was that if you want to see Keontae George, Taylor Hendricks, and Bryce Sensabaugh, they're going to have to earn it. There is not going to be a, oh, Keontae George gets 14 minutes every night no matter what. Taylor Hendricks gets 12 minutes no matter what. That, That was abundantly clear to me. Because if Will Hardy's going to get the things that he thinks are most important, Competition inside of a team construct. Flexibility from his players to understand that he may start a different lineup every 10 days, close with a different lineup every game or every other game, use a different rotation at times based on opponent, based on who's playing well. All of these aspects that he thinks are most important to this team. If he's going to get those items, he can only get those items if they think it's fair. If the veterans for one second think it's flexibility, but only for us, or it's, you know, basically flexibility means the willingness to not play on a given night. Flexibility means to give up your minutes to somebody else on a given night. That, that's, that's truly what flexibility means. Okay. And so if you're going to have a player that's willing to say like, well, okay, last night I closed and had you know, 16 shots, and tonight I'm playing 21 minutes and I get seven shots. I get it. It's this game. They can only do it if they think, one, it's fair, two, it's been earned, which is basically the same thing, and three, it can come back their direction again. And that's what Will Hardy talked about the major- most consistently throughout his opening press conference with Justin Zanuck. And Justin Zanuck talked about that he believed that Will Hardy could get what he wants, which is a team that plays hard every single night. That believe if you go to Will Hardy's core crux items of what he believes this basketball he wants a basketball team to be in year two, is that every team has its excuse me is that you maintain it's a team sport, okay? 
Well, you're only maintaining it's a team sport if the individual is willing to sacrifice of themselves to create the team atmosphere. He believes, too, that he wants them to play hard and compete every night. Okay, that's great. That's what they did last year. That's what was so awesome. But can he get them to play hard and compete if they think they're not being treated fairly? And number three, he talked about the fact that you can't get the rookies shoved down your throat and that there has to be a culture of flexibility. So if I summarize that, which I kind of didn't do as well as I should have right there, one is you have that you want to you want, want to compete, play hard. That's Will Hardy's signature. It was great last year. Two, that you want to maintain it's a team sport. Three, that you want to have a culture of flexibility. I could change the lineup every 10 games, he said. We could have it be that, you know, different guys are closing on different nights, different guys are playing together. It, it, and and then he wants to have as the Hunger Games. He said, like I we asked about the guard line competition, and he said it could be the Hunger Games out there. And it's going to be the Hunger Games. Because if you don't think that Chris Dunn, veteran Chris Dunn, is going to look at the, uh, who does not have a guaranteed contract, is going to look around the room to start and be like, all right, who's the first guy that I can get out of the arena? He's going to go, he is going to go at Keontae George tomorrow morning in Hawaii when they start training camp at the most intense level you've, you could imagine. Now you can say, oh, they're teammates. No, no, no. At this point in time, Chris Dunn is on a non-guaranteed contract and he is fighting for his basketball life right now. This is, this is the difference between his career going for another eight years and another eight weeks as an NBA player. Maybe that's an exaggeration, but he doesn't feel like it to him, I'm certain. So he's going to look around the room. He's like, okay, veteran Jordan Clarkson, Colin Sexton, Taylor Horton Tucker. Uh, maybe. Maybe I'll go back to him. Oh, Keontae George. Oh, 19. Okay, let me go eat him up first. Let me literally devour him, get in his shorts, break his will, see what I can do to him to knock him off my eye. Okay, he's done. Who's next? And Taylor Horton Tucker, who's a free agent, is going to be looking around the room being like, okay, who, who do, oh, I don't need to worry about Chris Dunn yet because he's non-guaranteed. So I'm going to go see what I can, if I can, I'm going to go make sure I'm starting instead of Colin Sexton. Oh, Ochai Abaji, right? Like that's what this is. It is the Hunger Games. But the minute, and and that's, that's the reality. You got to, and then the key is what Will's saying is you've got to do it inside the team construct, which is going to be hard. That's going to be Will's challenge. He was worried about this last year too. But if you're going to do it inside the team construct, it can only be done in a manner where everyone is on the same playing field. That if Chris Dunn annihilates Keontae George and then Keontae George starts getting 15 minutes a night, that's not going to work. And Colin Sexton sees that, Taylor Horton Tucker sees it. Now, the flip side is Chris Dunn goes to try to annihilate Keontae George and Keontae George holds up. And don't, 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 like Will Hardy might like, he might not say it, but if he sees that Chris Dunn has gone and put the spotlight on Keontae George, I'm like, okay, you, you are my first victim. Here we go. Hunger Games. Let's go. I'm going to find you. You're my weak link. Let's go. 19 years old. You might be super skilled, but you're not ready for this, baby. I remember what it was like out of Providence. Let's go. Will Hardy's got to like that because you know what? He finds out an awful lot about Keontae George. And if you don't think Lucas Samanich on a non-guaranteed contract is looking at Taylor Hendricks and being like, no, 
no chance. And that, that kid's long and skinny and athletic. And that first rebound, pop. Can you handle it? Are you ready? Because that's what it's going to be. Unless, here's the other side. Like on Chris Dunn, I don't have any doubt about his fight. Chris Dunn will scrap the hell out of you, get into you, fight you, battle you every second of the way. And so I have no doubt Chris Dunn's going to be like looking at Keontae George, like maybe nicely, but he's coming to get him. It's his career. We're going to, the other side, we find out about a long, young Luka Samanich. Like does Luka Samanich come with that same intensity, that same fight against the likes of Taylor Hendricks, who might be stealing his minutes or Simone Fontecchio, who might be stealing his minutes in his career. And the same thing for Lucas Samanich. He gets released again. It's going to be hard for him, even at 6'10", with this incredible body and great athleticism, for him to circle it back around. But he makes this roster, even makes the rotation. He's he's now got a chance to be like Dario Saric or someone with a 12-year career. So this is the Hunger Games. But the Hunger Games only works inside of a team construct And a team construct only works if the players all think they're getting the same equal shot. So the number one takeaway I had from the opening press conference was rookies aren't being given anything. Rookies are not being given anything. The Jazz are into winning each and every day. They're building a team to win each and every day. And there isn't going to be, oh, by the way, and Keontae gets 15 and Taylor gets 12 every night because they're part of the future. They're going to get their 15 and 12 when they earn them. And Will Hardy said, really interesting comment, we're going to use all of our resources to help them develop. To me, that's the G League. That if they don't get this done right away, we're not banishing them to the side in any way, shape, or form. But now we're going to use all of our resources to help you develop the same way we did with Ochai Bosch. Exciting times. Love the open of training camp. All right. Why do I think John Collins is going to start from what I heard in that press conference? And I do think it has a fairly large impact on what everyone else does. Also, Will Hardy's insight into how he views the backcourt might tell you who gets to play. We'll look at that as well and some strategy things from Will Hardy as we continue on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Chevy, located in Woods Cross, also in Logan. I saw the sweetest Chevy the other day. Oh, the new tracks. The new Chevy tracks that look so nice. People are making just beautiful cars these days. You know Chevy. It's the greatest trucks on the market. It's the Silverado. It's the Colorado. And the SUVs, you know, it's the Utah County Assault Vehicles with the Suburban and the Tahoe. And it is truck season right now. And it is this time of year to get as you head into the winter uh, with a little snow in the mountains right now to get all these things done. And then there is the all-new 2024 uh, Chevy Trax, which is their SUV, has a little more room, more tech, more fun, looks terrific out there. Over at Murdoch Chevy, the Murdochs, over 80 years in Utah, maybe even 90 at this point. They've been sponsoring the lockdown for so long. And they give you this great customer service. Make sure you have the no regrets experience. If you're going to head over there, feel free to email me first at dlock09 at gmail.com, and we'll make sure we get you the VIP experience that you deserve with Murdoch Chevy. So the game time app. It's that time of season where you're going to be getting tickets, and I am actually a Game Time app user, so I can tell you it was it has been terrific. Um, some of the late game deals you get flash deals, zone deals. Uh, it's the only ticketing app that gives you the complete peace of mind with your purchase. So you view the seat before you buy. 
Um, I actually was doing it online uh, on my desktop. So I was able to kind of zero in on some things, not on my phone, but you can do it on your phone as well. Um, all the prices they show you are the total upfront. So you're not getting a deal without hidden fees. You can buy tickets in seconds with two taps. Game time has the deals on tickets right up to the start of the event. And, and even an hour after it starts, it's the place to find last minute deals. Find exclusive flash deals, sponsored uh, deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, zone deals. You pick the section and the pick the seats and you have an average of 18% savings every time. That's kind of fun. Um, so they've got all sorts of ways for you to have the best ticket experience possible. So download the game time app, create an account, use the code locked on NBA to get 20% off your first purchase terms apply again, create an account, redeem spell out locked on NBA. That's L O C K E D O N N B A for $20 off. Download the game time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price. Guaranteed. Thanks so much for tuning in to Locked on Jazz today, making it your first listen. Our Locked on NBA crew has been going each and every day, breaking down all the trades. I haven't really gotten into the Dame trade um, with you guys a great deal um, and probably should. We'll start our season preview stuff uh, this week. Uh, we're going to look at 240 minutes, which teams have 240. It's really interesting to see which teams do and which teams don't. We're going to talk about um, so not only 240 minutes, we're going to talk about, um, I looked at every team's plus minus with their returning players. And then with their core three players, I thought some of that was really, really interesting. Um, I ranked every team by how many players they have in the top 10, top 30, top 50 and top hundred. That gives you a little bit of an idea of where things are. Um, and then looked at it all in, uh, with the FanDuel over under numbers. So a lot of that, and then we'll do points gained as well. So that's all still coming up. Uh, in the upcoming weeks as we get ready to go and um, and make it to the NBA season. Yes, it's here. Media day, press conferences, it's all here. You got to love it. All right. My takeaway listening to Will Hardy was that John Collins is going to start. I don't know why I left that way. Not everyone totally agreed with me on that. But just he talked a lot about something I really love that Will talked about is that every team is its own entity. Um, I've always had a hard time when we talk about continuity. The guys leave in April. They come back in October. They come back really in September. And they come back in September or October. And when, when that, there's so much that goes on. They work on their game. Their contract changes. Their belief in themselves changes. And so they're not coming back with the same mindset in any way, shape, or form that they left in in April. So I, I'm so pleased to hear that Will already talked about every team is its own entity and that his, like his biggest challenge, Will Hardy said going into the season is trying not to have preconceived notions from the past, trying to take away most of them. Like, Hey, he says, I, I think Lowry's going to play a lot. And if Walker has a good camp, Walker and Lowry are going to play a lot. So that seemed, you know, that, but it's, Hey, let's not guarantee it. Right. Walker's got to have a good camp. Lowry probably is so skilled that he's already established that. Um, aspect of who he is and so but then let's not have preconceived notions about Taylor Horton Tucker let's not have preconceived notions about Chris let's let them prove what they can and then the other thing it's every team is its own entity is that John Collins is now this very important piece that you have to figure out what you're going to do so one if John Collins shoots like he did last year if you start Walker and John Collins you have two non-shooters on the floor can you afford to have a third non-shooter in Taylor Horton Tucker Jordan's a is a high volume shooter. He's not a particularly high good shooter. Collins not a high volume three point shooter. Like what do you 
what do you do on the guard line? Like these all intertwine and intermix. And it did just kind of sound to me the way Will was talking that we're likely going to see John Collins in the starting lineup. And then how do you, you know, but then also how do you work the John Collins, Kelly Olenek, Lowry marketing lineup that you'll probably see at some point too. Um, just, you know, so that you're, I think you're going to see an awful lot of Collins, Olenek, Kessler combos with marketing sliding in there as well for our front court minutes. Now the question is how does Taylor Hendricks get any minutes then? And that, that gets tricky. But if you think that John Collins, who's generally played 30 minutes every night of his career, and that Walker's probably going to play close to 30 minutes in his career. And so if Walker's, let's say Walker's going to play 32 a night, then there's 16 minutes to go between of, of center minutes for John and probably 16 minutes of minutes that are also, that are then power forward minutes um, for John Collins. And so it's probably without like, who knows? I don't know how we're closing games and how we're doing things. And, but if you think about that for a second, it's probably those 16 are probably the first five of each first and third quarter. And maybe the last three or four of, or maybe not, it might be too hard to close with both of them on the floor. If John's not shooting well, now he's a career 36% three point shooter. So it'd be nice to believe he can get back to that. Um, we really don't have the dead eye 40% three point shooter on this roster. So that's, you know, we're, we're, we're lacking that floor spacing and Lowry's probably the closest to it of anyone. And even if you start playing around with our various guard lines, there isn't, there isn't that guy, you know, there isn't the, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think of a reference point. Malik Beasley is a good reference point. I was going to say like Kyle Korver, but he's probably the greatest shooter, you know, one of the five greatest shooters ever. So it's probably not a great reference point. Um, and so I, I do love the way they're looking at it, but I do, it did feel to me like, okay, well, a lot of this is going to be, how do you compliment John Collins and Walker Kessler in the opening lineup? And then how do you compliment John Collins, Kelly Olenek and Lowry Markinen? in the secondary lineup. And that's where I do actually think Colin Sexton compliments that the best. That's where I love the idea of Colin Sexton playing while John Collins playing center and letting him just go downhill. And the data we had last week for the everydayers, you've already heard this, you know, the amount, the assist rate by Taylor Horton Tucker and Colin Sexton were dramatically different. It leads you to kind of wonder a little bit whether or not Taylor Horton Tucker might actually be more likely to, to maybe even start. And if you start looking at the playing pairs, which gets really interesting here, that Will Hardy talked about. Will Hardy talked about he views the guard line as playing pairs now. That the biggest strategy change the Jazz are going to make is that not an offensive style of where one guy is bringing it up and get away from the individual initiating. That Mike Conley was really a crutch for this team last year. He doesn't want that. He doesn't want one guy bringing it up. He wants both playing pair guards, multiple old school, two guard front, bringing it up, attacking from different not teams, not knowing where you're attacking from. I think that's a very big, that's a playoff concept. That unless you have a real superstar player, you, you, you can, they cannot know where you're going to attack from. Um, so I think that you, when you see those, those items, I think that you're going to see that. And so it gets into like, who's the best playing pair? Who are we? How are we going to use it? Um, from a strategy standpoint, I, I think you start to kind of, you start to play this. I mean, I'll look, I looked at some of the numbers. They're interesting. Um, here's the playing pair numbers from the guard line 
from last year. And then I've got some interesting numbers about our strategy for this year that I'll, I'll share with you as well. So the guard playing pairs last year, the guard combo that played the most minutes together last year was Jordan Clarkson and Colin Sexton. And they, they played 1,300 possessions together. Some of them were probably with a lot of, a decent amount were with Mike Conley, about, two, about 20%. They were in the 90th percentile offensively and the 14th percent defensively. They were a plus 0.2. You took Mike Conley off the floor, they were a minus 0.9. So when it was just Jordan and Colin, a minus 0.9. The second most common lineup that played together was Taylor Horton, Tucker, and Jordan Clarkson. And the Taylor Horton, Tucker, and Jordan Clarkson played together for a com- the second most amount of minutes of any playing pair at the Jazz at 775. And here was something I didn't know. They were plus 11.5. That makes me wonder if that is where Will Hardy has to start this whole concept. Does Will Hardy have to start with Taylor Horton Tucker and Jordan Clarkson together as the guard on the backcourt? They were plus 11.6. They were in the 85th percentile offensively. They were in the 97th percent defensively. I didn't, that's, it's an interesting lineup, right? Taylor Horton Tucker's big and long and can and defend a little. Jordan's actually pretty big. Like, it's a pretty interesting little lineup. When you look, when you dig into it, like, okay, if you have that big a plus 11.6, you have to dig into it and see, is there something funky going on? So teams shot particularly badly against that lineup. And the lineup that was the best was actually Jordan Clarkson, Ochai Abaji, Taylor Hort, or that played the most of their 829 or possessions in there, um, was, was actually without Lowry Markin. The lineup that played that Jordan Clarkson, Taylor Horton Tucker, Lowry Markin, Kelly Olenek, Walker, Kessler was plus 19. Now, Let's go and get Mike Conley off the floor and see if it has any impact. That's what you kind of have to look at these things. Was was Mike actually playing the point guard there? And the answer is no. That when Mike Conley was off the floor, that's where you get this plus 11.6. So, you know, teams shot unusually badly against it. So I don't think they're actually in the 97th percentile defensively, but there it is. No Mike Conley on the floor, and Jordan Clarkson and Taylor Horton Tucker are plus 11.6. Is that where Will Hardy has to start everything? YouTube question of the day, what playing pair would you start with on the guard line? Throw that out to YouTube. Now you've heard those numbers. Does that change your opinion on that? We'll continue with some more thoughts about a strategy change that Will Hardy, I just mentioned, and the impact it will have on the Jazz compared to what they did a year ago. Thank you so much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day into the everydayers. Greatly appreciate you. Jazz will tip it off our first one on Sunday in Hawaii and then Tuesday in Seattle um, to get this going. Have you subscribed to Jazz Plus yet? Get all of the Utah Jazz streamed as well as exclusive content. It's just $125.50 a season. It's less than $1.50 a game. NBA.com slash jazz slash jazz plus plus extra content. Niall Campbell and I did a bunch of little features. You get the Will Hardy shooting games. All sorts of great stuff. The organization's working crazy hard on this um, to get this done. It's really cool stuff. Um, so get it out there. All right. Here are the other playing pair numbers. 
Chris Dunn, Jordan Clarkson only played 84 possessions together. So hard to tell. They were plus 2.4. Actually, I'm going to do it in order of possessions play because I think that's actually telling. Um, Jordan Clarkson and Ochai Abaji played 606 possessions together. They were a minus 1.5. Again, you, you get into this, like, where's the non, no minutes from Mike Conley that you want to make sure that you're looking at these kind of with some realistic. And with Mike Conley, they go to a minus six, minus Jordan Clarkson and Ochai Abaji, which I thought was a, could be the Jazz starting lot, goes to a minus 5.5 and 501 possessions when you don't have Mike Conley on the floor. So that's a little con- disconcerting. Now, again, different team, no preconceived notions, all the things Will talked about, but still worth, you know, it's a data point. Uh, Colin Sexton, Taylor Horton Tucker, 400 possessions together, minus 16 in the first percentile defensively. Colin Sexton, Ochai Abaji, 319 possessions, minus 7 in the fifth percentile defensively. Chris Dunn, Ochai Abaji, 571 possessions, plus 6.4. Okay? Now, I don't know how you go with that as your starting playing pair of Chris Dunn and Ochai Abaji, but maybe. So the most possessions was Jordan Clarkson, Colin Sexton. Without Conley, they were minus 0.9. The second most amount of possessions was Jordan Clarkson Clarkson and Taylor Horton Tucker, and they were plus 11.6 without Mike Conley. Big difference. Third amount of possessions was Jordan Clarkson with Ochai Abaji. They were minus 5.5 without Mike Conley. Colin Sexton, Taylor Horton Tucker were next at minus 16. Colin Sexton, Ochai Abaji was next at minus 7. Chris Dunn, Ochai Abaji next at plus 6. Others, Chris Dunn, Jordan Clarkson simply didn't play enough possessions. Colin Sexton, Chris Dunn didn't play very many possessions with minus 6. Chris Dunn, Taylor Horton Tucker played 206 possessions was minus 16. I think that's a minus. Let me check that. It does not say minus, but that was my memory. I'm going to check that. That Pause. Pause for a second here. Chris Dunn, Taylor Horton, Tucker. I think it was a minus 16. Again, not playing with all of our regular guys. Uh, yeah, minus 16. Okay. So those are your playing pair numbers that you're looking at. Here's some interesting notes for you. So Will already talks about offensive style where one guy is not bringing it up and getting away from the single person initiating. So last year, the average time to the first action in the NBA was 6.6 seconds. Geeky stuff here. On brand. Jazz were the seventh slowest in the NBA to get to their first action. Similar, average time cross half court on the shot clock is 19.8. The slowest in the league, interestingly, was Cleveland. I smirk for those of you that are listening on a podcast. The second was Phoenix, and the third was Dallas. So Donovan Mitchell, Chris Paul, and Luka Doncic are walking the ball up to make sure that they set up the play for themselves. The fastest last year was Sacramento. And it's not a big difference. Like, the difference here is 0.5 seconds, the bitch people cross half court. There's only a second margin difference between the slowest and the fastest team in the NBA getting across half court. It's just not, but it's a second. It, it's so it's, just, you know, we could really get into some big debate on how much it matters. Um, the, so the jazz were, were, were seventh slowest crossing half court on the shot clock. They were the second, seventh slowest, or they could be, you know, that could be positive or negative. Again, I'm not saying like to get into the, 
action, first action across half court. The fastest last year were the Pacers and the Kings at 6.1 and 6.2 seconds. And the slowest was Cleveland at 7.3 and Dallas at 7.1. And we were pretty much gobsmacked right in the middle. But the fact of the matter is that, yeah, like it's a little tiny incremental thing. But I'm guessing that part of this is that Will Hardy would like us to be faster than that. And this is something I'm going to monitor throughout the season and try to keep an eye on to see how Will Hardy, I'm super curious to see how Will Hardy's strategy is different from year one to year two. We tried a lot of different things and Will evolved differently throughout the year. I mean, if you go and look at us pre-trade deadline to post-trade deadline, our turnover rate drops to the lowest in the NBA of forcing turnovers and our field goal, effective field goal percentage defense becomes the fifth best. Like, so clear after the trade deadline, he puts us in a shell defensively defending the shot, not forcing turnovers. Do you remember early in the year, we were creating everything off forcing turnovers. So a lot of flexibility by Will. And it will be really interesting to me to see where he becomes. And one of the things is going to be, what is our tempo? Because he talked about playing fast a lot last year. And we we were at 16 transition attempts per team, per game. It was like, okay, like not, like that's, you know, that that's what we were. We weren't like, it wasn't a lot. It wasn't a little. It was just like 16 transition per team, per game. is kind of in the middle. We had 10, I believe we had 10 half-court possessions off rebounds a game, 14th in the NBA. Um, it's an interesting discussion to have, you know, otherwise that I, is all these coaches will talk about running all week long. We're going to hear, we're, we're going to run, run, run. Okay, well, like we, we talked about running. We tried, we had 16 possessions. It was 23rd in the league in transition possessions. We had 10 of those off rebounds where we ran. Uh, the others were all off turnovers, and and that was 14. Like, so in a 100-possession game, we're talking about like 14% of all possessions, and, and there's just not that far you can push that number. And so you just really actually better be really good in the half court of creating your opportunities in a different way. And you're only really talking about, like, you're talking about, the real question to me is, how often are you running? And then running gets to be an interesting question of whether you're getting transition or just getting the shot clock early off of, an off defensive rebound. So if you're getting 45 defensive rebounds a game and you're getting 10 transition possessions, then you're getting, you know, you're about 25, a little under 25%. Like, okay, maybe that's really good. But that's the number. All right. Players interviews today. We'll get through that. We'll start our season previews. We're, we're revving up. We're revving up. I hope you're fired up. I am. Thanks so much for tuning in. Interested to hear your answers to the YouTube question of the day which is what playing pairs would you start with on the guard line? If you're not, if you're listening on the podcast, most of our people are still podcasts, which is great. Um, then please email or tweet at me on that, um, on X uh, about that. Tuesday's show will be all of the comments from Utah Jazz Media Day and what jumps out on that. Have a great one. Thanks very much for tuning in. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast in the Utah Jazz, all part of the Locked on Podcast Network.